From the studios of Boise State Public Radio, I'm Gemma Gaudet. You're listening to Idaho Matters. Author Cindy Spiegel is back with another book, Micro Joys, Finding Hope When Life is Not Okay. Now, this new book is filled with essays about the micro joys that have kept Cindy moving forward, even in the toughest times of her life. And we are lucky enough to have her joining us today to talk more. Cindy, I want to welcome you to the program. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Well, I have to say, I thought your book was just beautiful. Um, and and I want to start out by by talking about what inspired you to to write this particular book. So this this book actually came out of some very difficult times. What I often refer to as the time I or the time I moved through the hardest things in mm-hmm. 2020 during the midst of a global pandemic. Uh, In May of that year, while everyone was still in quarantine, my 32-year-old nephew was murdered walking to a friend's house. It was a random act of violence. Within four months uh, after that, my beloved mother passed away unexpectedly. Within a month of that, my 48-year-old brother had a stroke and went into cardiac arrest where he spent the next two and a half months in the ICU. By the Mm. grace of God, he made it home. And within a month of him being home, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And all of this happened in a 10-month span of time. You know, (laughs) I have to tell you, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. And when I I read that in the book, I felt that so deeply um, because there was a time in my life where I lost a dear high school friend. Three days later, I had a baby. Um, Six weeks after that, my oldest brother died unexpectedly of a brain aneurysm. Mm. Six weeks after that, my mom died. Oh, my goodness. And and I was postpartum and I had a new baby. Yes. Yeah. And it's- Talk about micro choice, right? Right. I have a baby, baby, so I've got to figure this out. But I I so connected with your book because I've always said that it's like there is such loss within my- immediate family. We have suffered such great loss. But with that, I had a father who always said, you know, life is for the living. We are so blessed. We are, we, you have to find joy. And it, it's such a dichotomy, I think, of what our culture kind of says. And so I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Ah, so, so much, so much in that. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, what I've come to know is that compound loss and grief is we're not special in that. You know, mm-hmm. this happens to folks day in and day out. And the only thing we can do is see what is directly in front of us. And the idea that life is for the living, this is all we got, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that we don't take the time to sit with the hardest things when we lose people closest to us. And when we are going through these things, we have to feel them too. But it is only in feeling them that we often recognize the beautiful moments. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what micro joys is about. You know, it really is about life is for the living. And what do we have in front of us right now? So when you say micro joy, explain for our listeners what you mean by that term. So what I refer to as micro joys are these easily accessible moments of joy that can be experienced despite our current circumstances. So they are not small necessarily. Mm-hmm. They are moments of joy that we don't have to reach very far 
to find, right? You have, you're in the midst of all of this loss and you have this beautiful new baby at home, right? I recall like having conversations with strangers uh, at my local cafe in the midst of everything else that was going on. It was this bright spot, this moment in the day. You know, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I remember sitting in a chair in my living room and watching squirrels chase each other outside the window. <laughs> so it doesn't change what is true, right? It didn't change my right. diagnosis, but it was this moment, this sliver of respite in the midst of it that just mm. momentarily pulled me away from that grief. And that joy, that's what I refer to as a micro joy. It is something that you don't have to reach very far to access, even when you are in the midst of really difficult things, because in life, we get all of it. The hard stuff is going to happen. But how do we find joy inside of that? And that's, you know, that's the, the, what this is about. And I have to say, one of the things that I took away was that, um, you know, you're so right that loss and grief are not unique right no. um and and i but i think once again within our society we have a really hard time talking about it and 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 then um you know moving forward and i've always i've i i hate the term like well eventually you know you'll get over this i'm like no 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 mm. actually we'll never <laughs> get get i won't get over this um yeah. i will move through it and i will That's get right to the other side of it, but I'm never going to get over this That's loss right. or this grief. Right. And it's, and it's one of those things where I find great joy in my life and I, but there are moments, I mean, there's maybe a song that comes on the radio or something, you know, whatever it is. And I'm sobbing because it takes yeah. you back to that moment. But at the same time, I don't ever want to lose those moments of, of grief or of loss because it is what connects you to that person. That's right. That's right. And we, you know, again, you're, you're right in that our culture doesn't love to talk about difficult things. We'd mm -hmm. rather push them under the rug in many instances. And it reminds me of toxic positivity. You know, oh, in 2018, so I had written a book, right? 2018, <laughs> yes. I wrote a book called A Year of Positive Thinking. By the time 2020 rolled around, and everything in that book is still true, and it holds true. But what I needed when I was in the midst of my own hardest things was hope. I mm -hmm. needed hope that I would be able to move forward. I needed hope that I could put one foot in front of the other. I needed to hold my grief and feel my grief and also feel moments of joy. But, you know, this, this, I refer to it often as the good vibes only mentality that mm -hmm. in addition to your grief, you walk away feeling shame because you can't find happiness or you can't find anything to be positive about. And that is that is the opposite of a micro joy, you know this <laughs> this sort of culture that tells us to just push the hard things down and find something to be positive about, regardless of what's really happening for us. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I it, it is one of those things where you have to feel what you are feeling in order to find that hope and and that That's joy. And, That's exactly you know, right. Right. And, and one of the things that struck me in your book too is, is, um, you know, you, you mention your identity, you are biracial, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and you talk about how that also informed your relationship when it came to grief and pain, but also your resiliency. So, 
Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that? Because I've always said with resiliency, it's, I mean, some people I think are born with it, um, but it is like mm-hmm. a muscle. You can grow it. But once again, we don't do a great job within our culture of, of helping people become resilient. Yeah. So, so my culture, I am a biracial black woman who is both black and Jewish. And what I often say sometimes in jest, but also it's the truth. Folks have been trying to kill my people for many generations and we're still here, right? Like the fact that I exist and I am standing with everything that has existed for my ancestors means there is a reason for me to be here. And I share that in the beginning of the book. You don't need to be a biracial Black Jew to appreciate this, (laughs) but I think there is a certain amount of resilience that is in my own familial legacy. Mm. You know, I mm-hmm. I think this is really, really clear. If you walk into a black church, you know, yes. you walk out of a black church feeling so good about yourself and so good about the world around you, not because racism doesn't exist, but because we have to find joy in the midst of everything anyway, regardless of our current circumstances. And I think for so many of us, you know, yes, it is in our familial legacy. Think about where you come from, where your ancestors are from, because the fact that you're still standing means something. The fact that you are here still means something. And I I am a firm believer that I stand on the shoulders of incredible cultures and people who existed in order for me to have these moments of grace and joy. And to have mm. this resilience and spirit that I have. But I do think it's something that we can learn as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you also, um, in, in the book, you write about uh, leaving a, a long-time career. You were in fashion mm-hmm. for, a, for a very long time. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of times when, when you leave these big careers, people do not understand it. And, no. <laughs> and well, they, they don't understand it. Um, I have been in that situation myself and people do, I mean, they think you're kind of crazy actually. Um, but again, it, it's one of those things where if it takes up too much and you don't find any joy, I mean, yep. maybe we need to re-examine. And is that what happened with you? I mean, was it that it was, was it just taking up too much space? You know, interestingly enough, that was not the case at all. I simply felt like I was 35 at the time, and I simply felt that what I was doing in the world no longer aligned with who I was. Mm. My values just didn't align with the work that I was doing. I had never seen anyone just up and quit their lives before. Like that was not a thing (laughs) that I was used to seeing. I I call it the year that I imploded my life the first time because truthfully, I hope that I continue to do this. I wish this for all of us because what it means is that we are allowing ourselves to follow our intuition and hopefully find, I wouldn't, if I stayed in fashion, I wouldn't have written this book. Right. You know, this right. this sort mm-hmm. of inner wisdom comes from doing the difficult thing. And sometimes that means the career that we set out to have, if it doesn't align with us any longer, then perhaps a change is in order. But that sort of shift isn't something that everybody understands. And I have to tell you, being 35 when I did it, I got a lot of weird stares of of just sort of, shouldn't you have figured it out by now? And luckily, I have friends who are 55 and deciding now to change <laughs> careers. I think it's not as you, uncommon today, and that's a beautiful thing. 
Well, you know, it's so interesting. I had the exact same thing at 35. Mm. And mm. I... What is it about I, that I had, time? Right? It is. There's something about that time in your life. And for me, it was a matter of I was in broadcasting. I was in a very large market and I was and I and I was like I'm not happy doing this. And and why am I doing this? And yeah. where do I want to be? Like where do I want to live? What do I want my life to look like? And and it's not this, but but it was also like I could stay on this trajectory. I can do this. I can stay on this path and life will be fine. Yes. It's not all of a sudden aligning with who I am. And yes. when I when I left, I mean I had people literally just think I had lost my mind. That's and, right. Yeah. Right. And and so with that said, when people pick up this book and read it, what do you want them to take away from it? Oh, my hope is that when folks pick up this book, they walk away with a greater understanding of what their own joy is. And that joy mm. is an instant happiness. Joy, happiness isn't right. a place that we live. Joy, on the other hand, is a state of being that we really start to create by noticing what is in front of us at any particular moment. I am so thankful for having you on the program. Thank you for writing this book. It it touched me so deeply, and I just so appreciate the time with you today. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me. I really appreciate you. We've been speaking with author Cindy Spiegel. She is back with another book. It's called Micro Joys, Finding Hope When Life is Not Okay. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies.